Welcome to the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. On today's podcast, I have a very special guest with me, someone that I looked up to in the past when I worked in Employment and Social Development Canada, and I see that he's doing very well for himself. And he's here to share with us some of the great things that he's working at. Joining me today is John Caves. John has held numerous positions in procurement since joining the federal government in 2002. He was a procurement specialist at Statistics Canada for seven years before moving to ESDC in 2009. Prior to joining the federal government, John worked in various material management roles in the private sector, both at JDS Uniface and Zanastra Photonics. At ESDC, John is responsible for leading the procurement and planning advisory services team who are responsible for supporting large projects through the department investment process from procurement perspective. Previously, John was responsible for managing the procurement operations team who award contracts for a variety of goods and services to support the department objectives. John received his diploma in business administration with a major in materials management from Algonquin College. John is also the recipient of a few deputy minister awards and multiple uh, chief financial officer awards at ESDC, awards in excellence in client service, excellent in creativity, partnering and team building, and a special CFO award for work related to a sensitive procurement file. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, Bruno, for having me. Thank you for coming on. Can you give us a bit more context about your journey to your current role? Sure. So I began my government career in 2002 after a few years in high tech. So as around that time frame, the high tech bubble had burst in Ottawa. So exactly. So a government job was quite appetizing. And I started out at Statistics Canada as a junior procurement officer, buying anything from tables and chairs to procurements to support the census that they did every five years. And then in 2009, I joined ESDC as a manager in procurement operations, where we would do about 2,500 contracts and amendments in a year with a value of around $250 million. And I had moved up to senior manager a few years later. Then in 2015, I moved into a newly created position where I am responsible for leading a fantastic team of procurement officers who put in place multi-million dollar, we call them capacity on demand contracts, so task-based contracts to support projects and programs through the departmental investment management process, as well as just the regular procurements that need to happen on a day-to-day basis. Wow, that's fantastic. So John, can you briefly describe the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I oversee two teams, but we have three major functions. One is we put in place these multi-million, multi-year contracts that the entire department can leverage to support their objectives. So these are task-based contracts to bring in IT consultants, project managers, HR consultants, where we're using for the most part TBIPs and SBIPs and TSPS, as well as just straight open competition. Number two, we support the Transformation Management Branch, which is one of the largest branches at ESDC, and their large program, which is Benefits Delivery Modernization. And this is one of the largest transformations in government history. So 
that branch keeps our team extremely busy. And third is we created a client relationship management unit. And what they do is they go across the department and deliver procurement awareness sessions to our clients. So that's where we advise clients on the procurement process, roles and responsibilities, and try and debunk myths. And within that team, what they also do is they do reporting on our service standards. So we have published service standards that let our clients know how long it's going to take us to do a sole source contract, a large RFP, maybe leverage pro services or TSPS. And what we do on a quarterly basis is we measure our performance against those service standards. Because there's no point in having service standards if either they're way off, they don't make any sense. And happy to say that the team, they're meeting the service standard. It's around 85% of the time. And you factor in year-end procurement activity, which the volume just goes through the roof. That The team is doing very well. Yeah. So yeah, so those three major functions, that's what keeps us busy. Yeah. And I, I like to tell my clients to factor in not just our service standard, but PSPC service standard, because sometimes the fog comes to us, then goes yeah. off the PSPC. So <laughs> absolutely need another There's... 40 days or so to run their processes. So. Yeah. And we're dealing a lot as well. PSPC, you're absolutely right. And shared services mm-hmm. as well. And by trying to educate our clients up front, we're telling them, okay, let, like, let's backward plan. If you need something by December 31st, okay, it might take you 60 days to do your job, but we're going to need 14, 40 days, what have you. And SSE is going to need, or PSPC, they're going to need X amount of days. So you really start to see the eyes open quite wide when they realize, ah, okay, to get the good or service that we need, it's not just a matter of them creating a statement of work. Yeah. There's a lot more that goes into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. What would you say you love about your work? Absolutely. The best part of my work is my colleagues. I'm fortunate to work alongside an extremely talented and committed group of procurement professionals. They make the easy days easy and they make the tough days and challenging days easier as well. So without this group of fantastic people in procurement at ESDC, it would be a pretty It'd be a tougher job than it already is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firm believer of that too. The work's always going to be there, but at the end of the day, it's about the people. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share a bit more about the common misconceptions that you've heard about what you do? Oh, common misconceptions. Great question. So it would be anything from procurement is such a roadblock. Mm -hmm. Procurement doesn't add any value. The typical things that we've heard from day one of entering the procurement world. These are all common misconceptions. And what I always tell the team is that we need to add value throughout the entire process. We tell our clients that we're adding value through the process by ensuring that policies are respected. We need to make sure that everything has been done in such a fair, open and transparent manner before we exercise our contracting authority. So just like our clients are doing their due diligence on the file, we need to do the due diligence as well on our part. And that's extremely important. And so one of the things that we need to do is make sure that our clients understand our roles and our responsibilities in the procurement process. And part of the awareness sessions that we do, we outline client, you're responsible for this, but procurement's responsible for this. And together we're responsible for this. Yeah. I definitely echo a lot of that and being able to 
inform and show clients the way procurement works, I found they're a lot less apprehensive and they're more trusting and willing to allow us to do our proper due diligence. So, you know, in your line of work, have you come across challenges and how did you overcome them? I would say overcoming challenges is part of our day-to-day function. And it's that whole topic of managing our clients' expectations. Yeah. And that continues to be very challenging. Everybody is so busy and requirements are coming down last minute. And when I mentioned before, when I was responsible for operations, seeing about 2,500 requisitions a year. The team over in operations now, they're handling, it's about 5,000 requisitions in a year. And the value has gone from say 250 million up to 500 million. So a lot of that, that sheer volume is one challenge, but again, managing clients' expectations. So one of the things that we do is we publish our service standards. If it's a sole source contract, it's gonna take X days. It's a competitive procurement, 40 days. So we actively advertise this to our clients so that they're aware okay, it might take me X amount of days to do a statement of work in a valid criteria, and then I send it to procurement, and they should be able to do a process in a day. Well, that's not how it works. Procurement, we need our time in order to do to run our processes. So I would say that is definitely one of the big challenges. And from an HR standpoint, finding qualified PGs. And I know on your previous podcast with, with Darren Hayduck, they talked about just trying to attract PGs and competent PGs and moving PGs up through the, I guess, through the ranks. And what the government tends to do is the second that we think that we have a good PG, if we're not fast enough, they have the ability to go to any department. So, you know, we need to factor in our own internal processes from an HR perspective. So that's proven to be a challenge. We've been running some competitions in the last number of months that the team in operations have managed to expedite through the process and they've done a fantastic job. And that's going to be the only way I think that we're going to be able to secure the talent that, that we need and want at ESDC. But I know across the board, all departments are facing the problem of attracting and retaining qualified PGs. Yeah. So that just says it's a great career to get into because there's lots of opportunity. Yeah, certainly lots of opportunity, but even for people coming into the world of procurement, there is a lot of opportunity, but there is value in staying in that one department and making sure you're really learning the aspects and getting the skills necessary before moving up. And Bruno, I think staying in one department, absolutely. But you can also move around in that one department. Mm -hmm. So to give you an idea at ESDC, we have four areas. There's procurement operations. There's my team, procurement planning and advisory services. We have a policy team. We also have a reporting audit and compliance team. And I really think it's good for people to spend time in as many of those four functions as possible to really understand procurement at ESDC. Our employee base is we're in tens of thousands of Mm -hmm. employees, massive department. You can learn so much at one department. Yeah, so true. Can you share with us some of the exciting projects that you're working on currently? So one of the things I'm trying to, I I guess it's really into getting closer to our clients is we're restarting our procurement business reference network. This was something that we had initiated pre-COVID, but then with COVID, we had to put some initiatives aside while we worked on addressing the department's response to uh, COVID. 
So our procurement business reference network, so it's our procurement BRN, what we've done is we've reached out to all the regions and branches in the department, and we've asked for two representatives from each branch or region that can attend these quarterly meetings. And it's an opportunity for us to have good dialogue with our clients, listen to them, listen to what they like about procurement, what they see as a challenge, and also for us to talk about what we see as a challenge dealing with our clients. So it comes back to that managing expectations. So really excited to start that off a little later in the summer, and then we're going to do it each quarter. So it's a really good opportunity to meet our clients, talk to our clients, ask them what they need. And we live in the procurement process, and it's good to get that outside perspective from clients about what works in their mind and what doesn't work. And one of your first questions was, what are some common misconceptions or myths about procurement? These meetings give us an opportunity to debunk or to clarify those Mm -hmm. misconceptions. So really, like I said, I'm really looking forward to these starting up again pretty soon. Wow. And I always found that the clients at ESDC, they were just so great. They were very eager to learn, to find out the process and just to contribute. And my time when I was at ESDC, I've had really great relationships with the clients that I served. And the BRN is just one way to foster that relationship. Yeah. And building on that, Bruno, one of the things that my team does is we have weekly meetings with our clients. What's coming down the pipe? What can we expect? What? How can we help you? We even have discussions with them about hey, we've noticed some purchase requisitions are coming in and there's often a similar error. And let's work together and correct that so things move through the process quicker. So just having that connection with the clients has paid off already. Now, this is, it wasn't a question on the list I had sent you, but it was just something I was curious about. I had a feeling like you worked with data analytics at ESDC and like the forecasting side of things. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. One of the other things that our team takes care of is we feed into an annual departmental procurement plan. We canvassed all the branches in the year, near the end of the year, and we asked them, what do you plan on buying next? So that helps us figure out, okay, do we have the right people? Do we have the right number of people? Do we have the right tools in place to support our clients? The challenge that we face is planning is tricky. Clients. You know, sometimes they're hesitant to plan because they think it might be a commitment and we're just saying to them, no, we just want to have an idea. Mm-hmm. Typically, ESDC buys the same stuff, IT consultants, project managers, there's some software that, that we're buying. So if you look at it year over year, it's pretty much the same. What we're looking for are those anomalies, like a, a big spike either up or a, a downward trend that we get a requisition for X millions of dollars and well, we've never bought this before. We don't have the expertise in this. So by going out and asking the branches to give us an idea of what they think they're going to buy, it helps us find any of those anomalies. And again, this whole exercise, it's only as good as the information that we get. We are maturing. We are getting more and more accurate information because one of the things that we do too is we look at, okay, this is what you said you were going to buy last year. This is what you bought. So use that information to inform yourself about what you're going to buy. So it's we're a big, we're a big department. A lot of moving parts, but it's the planning is getting better. Yeah. The planning is, I find, sometimes 80% of the work. And once the planning is sorted out, the rest just falls together because you've done so much planning. 
Yeah. And Bruno, I know that you end your podcast normally with a quote, but one thing that is a failure to plan is a plan to fail. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. Okay. That will be my quote of the day today. There you go. Failure to plan is a plan to fail. (laughs) (laughs) What advice can you give to our listeners? Be proud of what you do. If you're in the government, I know you have listeners inside the government, outside the government, understand your clients and understand the projects that they're working on because you're supporting those projects and those projects have a direct impact on the lives of Canadians. That's what we do. And it really helps to give a sense of meaningfulness to the work that you do every day. And that's meeting with your clients or even If you're buying for a particular branch, go, I'm sure the branch has a website, go and look and see what their raison d'etre is. And you start to make connections. And instead of just turning a purchase requisition into a PO, maybe you're doing something that'll help, I don't know, the way that Canadians access a service or some, a benefit. So I think if you take the time to realize that, it'll just make your job that much more meaningful. Any call to action to share with our listeners? Build your network across the government. And it's great for so many reasons. If you're faced with a task that you're unsure of how to do, and maybe the department has never done it, a a new type of procurement or a new service that you're going to buy, reach out across the government, use GEDS as a tool, and reach out to these, your colleagues and other departments and, hey, I need to buy X. Have you ever done that? You'd be surprised. People have bought stuff and they've have the bruises that they've gone through they have the lessons learned that they can share and that will help you avoid pitfalls and then if you leverage your network then maybe the next time that person might call you and ask you hey bruno have you ever bought this yeah sure i have or no i haven't but my colleague over at other department has done it has bought it and then you start to connect these people yeah the secondary benefit of that is that Now you start to know people in other departments. If you want to move, your options and the doors open a little bit more because you started to make a name for yourself and you've made connections and it's, yeah. So build your network. It's take all the opportunity that you can reach out. If you see someone giving a presentation, SIP them or any Mm -hmm. other type of event, reach out to them afterwards, introduce yourself, Mm -hmm. ask them some questions and you start to make those connections and they are some of the best things that you can do. Absolutely. Or you can be like me after sipping presentations, reach out and ask them to be on your podcast. <laughs> there you go. It works. It works. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. And I want to thank you so much, John, for really coming to share with us your experiences, your journey, and some of the cool projects that you're doing over at ESDC. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And I'm happy to share. And anybody that's listening to the podcast has questions, feel free to reach out to me and love to have a chat, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome.